0: Before we get started jumping into the service uh, sermon piece, I want to just walk through uh, a little bit of a family chat, all right? Just talk a little bit about what we got coming up in the next couple of weeks and let you know some things going on. So uh, did you know that in two weeks it's Easter? Can you believe that man? April 1st is going to be Easter Sunday and uh, so super fired up about that. We got a huge celebration going on on Easter Sunday morning and uh, I've got the ushers coming forward. They're going to come down and we're going to pass some invites out, okay? So this is for every single person to take one, right? Who's taking one? Okay, every single person take a pack and so there's actually two invites rubber banded together. If you're like, Dude, this isn't even the beginning of how many people I'm going to invite. Don't worry about it. We've got more invites on the way out. You can pick some up from the ushers on your way uh, out the door at the end of the services, all right? But make sure that every single person takes a pack of invites, okay? So as that's now going down the rows, uh, now let's talk a little bit about how we invite, all right? So this is what we do not say. Everybody say not. Hey, you want to come to church with me? Like, don't say that, right? You have no idea what their meaning of church is. You have no idea what that means to them. When you bring a low level of energy and then you use words that they might have other definitions for, you probably lost them right at that invite. So I'll just tell you this. Here's a little bit of a a what to say, all right? Great little suggestion. Man, we have a huge Easter celebration going on. We would love to have you join us. Are you hearing that? We have a huge Easter celebration going on. It's an Easter celebration. Everybody say those two words. Easter celebration, make sure you get that going on, all right? And uh, we do have that April 1st, and then just so you know, we also have a Good Friday service coming up the two days before that, right? Good Friday is that Friday night, and there's an invite, this invite actually covers both of those. So the Good Friday service times are in here. The uh, Sunday service times are the standard times, 9, 11, and 4.30, okay? And so we're going to have services at all three of those. We're continuing all three services for Easter Sunday. So my first and biggest request, make sure you invite with some energy and some excitement and some passion, and you make it clear that this thing is a giant celebration, all right? That's a huge deal. Uh, Second, be praying about who you might be able to invite. Uh, coworkers, friends neighbors a contact that you know or have or that you've been thinking about maybe you don't know right now and you're like Lord please put on my mind someone that I could invite okay and be praying through that Uh, here's what we don't want let's not go find people that are all fired up about their church they're at a great place they're worshiping and celebrating God and we're trying to pull them away from that Uh, everybody say not that right? But we're going after people who maybe don't have a church home or they're looking to find a place to celebrate on Easter Sunday and you're giving them a basic invite. So it just goes down something like, man, if you don't have a place to worship, we would love to have you join us. We have a huge Easter celebration going on and uh, inviting them out to this place that God might get the glory, all right? Prayerful, uh, wise along the way. It could be that you're going to invite a Um, Maybe it's a waiter or a waitress that you know you've had several times over at a restaurant you've stopped in at. Whatever that might be, just make sure that you invite with uh, gentleness and a passion for what God is doing in this place. And all of God's people said? Okay, so you're going to be inviting. You're going to be inviting to a celebration. You're praying your way through it. And then here's my last request. Ready? Uh, So the 9 o'clock service packs out. Like in general, it packs out. And then on Easter Sunday, man, does it pack out. Like uh, we have this whole room filled. We end up putting another couple, about 150 chairs more in here and fill all those as well. And then we also fill the 309. So it is full, full, full. So if you've got an opportunity to bring some friends and family to the 11 o'clock or the 430, I would love to see you there know what I'm saying? And uh, let's make a little bit of room in here if we can. If that makes sense for you and your family, that would be great. Prayerfully consider that and let's see what God does with it, all right? This is a, just a kind request to see if we can kind of get some people over to the 11 and the 430 and get a little bit of balance in a couple of those uh, different services and let's watch God be glorified. Hear me, man. Easter, this is Jesus Christ glorified. He has come to this earth. He has died for us, and he has risen again, and we have hope. Amen? Amen. Man, I'm telling you, as we go after this, know this. May God get all the glory. We will be lifting him up with all we've got. You can count on that. So you do the inviting. We'll be leading the charge on worshiping and celebrating him. May God truly be celebrated. And all of God's people said, all right, good deal. That said, and we are in a sermon series here called Satisfied, Satisfied, and what does it mean to be satisfied, not in the circumstances, but in my Savior, and that's what we've been walking through as we've been going through Second Corinthians chapters 10, 11, 12, and 13, and uh, we're at the back end of chapter 12 right now, and, and, uh, Learning what it means to be satisfied. Today we're going through a sermon called willing service. Like what does it mean to pour into an environment where there are needs, where there are hurting people, where there is a church to be built up and you're ready to be satisfied in your Savior as you pour it on the line for him. To be serving your king with complete satisfaction, all right? Willing service. That's what we're looking at today. So turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 11. 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 11, as we begin to study a little bit about willing service here today. The first point is, seek not to receive, but rather to give, even when misunderstood and falsely accused. Seek not to receive, but rather to give, even when misunderstood and falsely accused. And, uh, man, it gets pretty easy when we're falsely accused to kind of come back at people, right? When people misunderstand who we are, uh, for us to start defending ourselves. And uh, may we actually be in the give mode no matter what, right? May we truly be able to give, not receive. That's Paul's example as we start out here. So here we go, starting in verse 11. He says, I have been a fool. I'll just hold right there. Now remember, we've talked about this several times over in chapter 11 and chapter 12, but Paul was going through setting it up in all of 11. He's like, man, you're making me have to talk about myself, and I'm not really comfortable with this. I don't really want to go after this. You're making me have to say some things about me. And uh, remember, we talked about address a fool according to his folly, but be careful, most of the time we need to not address the fool according to his folly, right? And so Paul is like 10 and a half chapters of I'm not saying anything, and then he brings one chapter out where he's going to bring it to bear. And so he did bring out some of what was going on with him, the truth of who he was, his resume, if you will, the why in the world would you attack me kind of statements. And he got some of those out, and now he's closing it back down again as he says, I've been a fool. All right, fine. I was uncomfortable with that. I said it. There, we're done with it. I'm washing my hands of it. Can we please move on, right? That's what Paul's meaning there. I've been a fool. You forced me to it, for I ought to have been commended by you. Man, as I walked into your church and I helped plant the church and I helped celebrate who Jesus Christ was, as I lifted up the greatness of our God, as I helped pour into your lives and people were saved... Well, it would have been nice if people would have been like, yeah, that Paul, he's a stand-up guy. I take his back. That's what he's saying. It would have been nice if you'd had my back, if you'd have commended me. That means basically show that you're with me, right? Uh, But that's not what happened. In fact, they did the opposite. They started hanging with the guys who declared that they were so much better than Paul, Paul would call them, super apostles, right? And uh, that was his sarcastic term. Got to make sure whenever you say that, hands are in the air, right? Super apostles. And uh, he's like, yeah, great. You're like all that. You're really special. And, and uh, man, it would have been nice if you'd have had my back along the way. And because you didn't, I had to bring a little bit of resume. May we please be done with that now. He says, for I was not at all inferior to these super apostles, Right? Like, I wasn't inferior at all to these guys who, like, so had it going on. The guys who thought that they could tell an apostle that he was wrong and done. The guys who thought that they could take over a church. And these super apostles who thought they had it going on. Yeah, I'm not at all inferior to them. Ready? Even though I am nothing. Paul, over and over again, even when he has to bring up what's going on well in his life, he's going to come back to the humility statement. Look, it isn't about my greatness. It's about my God's greatness. And uh, no, those guys don't have more on the ball than me. But man, I'm nothing. Please, this isn't about my greatness. This is about my God's greatness. He says, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. He means by him. Paul literally being able to do Miracle works, healings, being able to give a word from God that was literally from God in that moment that rocked them, being able to write letters that were inspired for the church and 100% without error, being able to bring a message and a hope and a statement that came along with miracle signs from the Holy Spirit to make it clear that this one is from God. Do you know why they call them sign gifts? Because they're a sign that this one is from God. That's the whole point. And so these special gifts that would have brought out an extra measure of the Holy Spirit power at work in the place were to be able to say, this one is from me. God doing that statement. And Paul's like, I'm just telling you as an apostle, I had the privilege of being able to do many powerful works In front of you, many wonders and signs and the apostleship, the I'm being sent from God, that's what that word means, apostle, one sent from God, was absolutely verified. It's like, I'm sure of it, I remember it, I know of those events that took place. He says, for in what were you less favored than the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not burden you? Remember this from a couple weeks back, Uh, the one complaint that they had against Paul, this is the only complaint they could come up with, was, well, you didn't let us take care of you. See, the the thing was, when you came into a community or a culture, and you were kind of sharing with the church and growing the church, you were supposed to let the church take care of you. You were supposed to let them take care of your physical needs. You were supposed to maybe even let them bring clothing or whatever to you, but you had a place to stay and food and shelter along the way, and that was a role that they could play. And in this case, for whatever reason, Paul had the uh, understanding and the discernment to say, That's not going to be a good move in this church. We're not going to do that here. And for whatever reason, he used outside care from other people so that he could come into this community and just give. And Paul knew something was going down. And so like the only attack they have against him is, yeah, well, when you did all that great stuff and you grew this church and God was using you and you were like this really uh, honest, humble person and you didn't let us help you. That's the one attack they've got, and in fact, we'll see a little later in the passage how they twisted and used that, but he says, I myself did not burden you. Is that the way that I have actually been wrong to you and showed less favor? Get ready, all you people who love sarcasm. He says, forgive me this wrong, right? And if you've got the latest ESV, it's even got an exclamation point on it so that you make sure you say it loudly, forgive me this wrong, right? He's like, let me be really clear, that's not wrong, right? And, and that's the, the strength of sarcasm and the weakness of sarcasm, right, is you have to know if the person's actually being sarcastic. Does he really think it's wrong? Or, or is he actually saying, it's not wrong at all, and you're a ding-dong, Which is he saying? And I can guarantee you here he's saying, you're a ding-dong, right? He's like, "Uh, let me make this really clear. That's not wrong. And uh, if that's the worst thing you have against me, wow, we're doing well, right? Have you ever had those moments where you're talking to someone and they begin to accuse you and the stuff they're talking about is just like nonsense small? And in that moment, you're like, man, we're doing good if that's all we got. Like, I thought this was going to be a really big thing, and you were really hurt by me in some really big way, and then you come with this really little thing, and that's all you've got, right? That's basically what he's saying here. That's it? That's what you've got? Great. Then we're in really good position. Let's keep moving forward with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, here for the third time I am ready to come to you. He's come two times before, he's coming a third time again. We've already seen that and we'll see it a little bit more in this uh, next chapter coming up next week as well. But he says, and I will not be a burden. I will not be a burden. He's like, yeah, we're not changing the plan. Uh, How do you know that he doesn't think it's wrong because he's going to continue with it? He's like, yeah, that's going to be the plan as we go forward. Um, I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. Man, you've got to grasp that sentence. For I seek not what is yours, but you. Like, I'm not on the take, man. I just long for you to be transformed. I can't wait for you to be growing in Jesus Christ. This is such a powerful ministry statement. And he's got another one coming up in just a second. But he's like, I do not seek what is yours, possessions, but you. Can't wait for you to be fired up for Jesus Christ. He says, for children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. And all of God's parents said... And honestly, you know what? Today, our society's kind of teaching a little bit the opposite, quite frankly. And uh, you have to be a little bit careful what you're hearing today. But a lot of what gets said today is come on, man, you got to learn to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I'm teaching my kid what it means. And so at the age of five, I got to mowing lawns. And like, be careful with that stuff, right? Be cautious with what you're having your children do and wade into. I'm all for chores along the way. I'm all for owning responsibilities along the way. I'm all for teaching them how to manage money along the way. And I'm also all for biblical position. Parents, it is our responsibility to care for our children. And all of God's parents said, right, it is. And we've got a huge responsibility to go after that. Man, I'm just telling you, make sure you are wise along the way in how you teach that. And uh, we absolutely do not enable our kids. Uh, The goal is not give them everything and let them just sit around while we do all the work. And our kids did pick up a lot of things and a lot of tasks around the house over the course of the time. And uh, they know how to do things in the house that I don't even know how to do now. I walk up and I'm like, I don't know how to use this machine. And they're like, Dad, you're kidding me. And then they're pulling it out and using it and showing me what's going on. And, like, I'm glad that our kids know what's going on in the place. And we've actually walked through what it means to own and to have money. And, man, make sure you're teaching your kids to tithe. Make sure you're teaching your kids a first fruits giving so that if they're getting some kind of uh, money for doing chores, whatever that allowance or more is, and uh, make sure you're teaching along the way how to save. And how to give of first fruits and how to spend as well. And uh, I'll say maybe from my vantage point looking back, I may not have taught as well on how to spend. And uh, you can create a little bit of angst in your children where they start spending their money. And they're like, ah, it's exiting the bank account. And you're like, welcome to America, right? And uh, there's some costs involved in literally living life and being able to teach what it means to be able to save and to spend wisely. And to be able to give of your first fruits. Man, there's a package deal in how we manage our money. Parents, make sure that you are caring for your kids and you're teaching along the way. Preparing them to be able to exit as healthy adults who can live a life that worships God with their money. And all of God's parents said, it's a huge deal, man. Make sure you're thinking along the journey there, all right? And Paul's like, just so we're super clear, I'm talking about parents because I feel like I'm your parent, right? He's like, I feel absolutely like I'm your dad and it is my responsibility to care for you. So he says right after it there, um, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. That could be my favorite sentence in this entire sequence. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls, let me say it again, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. So let's just say the first part together. I will most gladly spend. Say it with me. Say it out loud. Most gladly spend. Good. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Say that part. And be spent For your souls, let's put it together, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Just so you know, that's called memorizing scripture. And uh, you guys just did an excellent job of it. The reality is, break it down into some phrases. Memorize a phrase, repeat it several times over. Then do the next phrase, then butt them together. Then keep moving, keep adding it on. And that's how you memorize scripture. I'm just telling you, this is Paul's passion for ministry, and this needs to be our passion for ministry as well. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your soul's ministry. It will take its toll on me, and I'm good with that. May you be transformed, and may God get all the glory. Your souls transformed, God glorified then I'm spending the right way. That's where I'm at. And man, I'm telling you, this passion for ministry, if you are in this church and if you are ministering in this church, if you're uh, in some small way touching lives within a, a workplace environment around here as you do ministry, maybe you're even up at Impact Group Leader and you're managing groups of adults and families and Maybe you're on some higher level, even than that, as deacon or elder, or maybe you're even pastor. And man, I'm telling you, this is the passion cry for ministry. I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. May God be glorified. See, it's easy to say, I will gladly spend and be spent for your appreciation. I want you to like me. And the, that's a bad, everybody say that's a terrible plan. It is, man. That is a terrible plan. And if you start serving and spending so that people like, you will find that you get into people pleasing all over the place. And it's hard to be a God pleaser when you are a man pleaser. It is. So be careful. Make sure that this is all about the glory of Jesus Christ. It is all about the transformation of souls. It is all about people coming along a journey. And I will spend and be spent for your souls. That is ministry on fire. And that is a church on fire for Jesus Christ. He says, if I love you more, am I to be loved less He's like, seriously, if I'm laying it on the line, why are you pulling back and walking away? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. If you're wondering what it was they were saying about what was so bad about Paul not letting them give to him, they were saying that he was crafty and he was getting the better of them by deceit. That's what they were saying. They're like, you were you were playing a game, man. You you, you came into our church and and you gave to us and you wouldn't let us give. So, so 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 what you were trying to do was um you were trying to make me feel like I could trust you and owe you something, and 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 you were and you were trying to deceive me. Can you hear how many times they must have hemmed hot as they came up with that thing? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you have got to be kidding me, man. That's what you come up with. Dude, you're trying to deceive me. How was I doing that? But by not letting me give to you. What? Are you kidding me? I love you with all I've got. I'm pouring in with all I have. I'm asking you to not worry about what my needs are. I'm asking you to just dig deep. What is God doing in your life? May you be transformed. You deceiver. You deceiver. You're kidding me, right? Paul is being falsely accused at the highest levels. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so wrongly accused that it was so ridiculous you couldn't even imagine how they could have come up with it? And I'm just telling you, there was a whisper into their soul, whether it be from Satan or from somebody else, that was just like, I can't stand that guy. You know he's deceiving us somehow. Why wouldn't just do it the way you're supposed to do it? He's trying to do something with us. And man, if you're being falsely accused, just know there is some dark force involved in that. Make sure you get on your knees and you humbly pray and you say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I long for you to be glorified and I will gladly spend and be spent for their souls. Are you hearing that? Paul said that. Right before he said this, Paul's like, I'm just telling you I gladly spend that you are being grown up in Christ, and I get that you're wrongly accusing me along the way. I'm spending anyway. May God get all the glory, man. make sure that you do not spend so that others think highly of you. Make sure you spend so that others are transformed and Christ is glorified. And you may not get much out of the deal. You're standing with your God and that's the end of it. May Christ get all the glory. And all of God's people said, That's ministry on fire, man. And uh, he says, Did I take advantage of you through any of those I sent to you? He's like, let's just rehearse this. How and why would you come to that conclusion? Was there anybody I sent to you that took advantage of you? The answer to that is, of course, no. And uh, so as they're reading this out loud, can you imagine when this gets read to the church at Corinth, right, in this challenge moment, did I take advantage of you through any of those I sent to you? And there's that moment where you're sitting there and you hear it and you kind of slump down in your chair a little bit. You're like, oh, I so don't like hearing this. It's getting uncomfortable, right? As you slide down a little further, he's like, I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. And did Titus take advantage of you? And the answer is uh, no. And no, Titus didn't take advantage. And no, Titus and his entourage didn't take advantage. And did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Paul's like, come on, man. You're good with Titus. You're not good with me. That doesn't even make sense. We've done the exact same things. Be good with me, man. I'm not trying to deceive you. I'm not trying to be somehow crafty and creative. I'm telling you this. I spend and I'm gladly spent for your souls. That's where I stand. It's very simple. Paul's simple position. I will give even when they're mistreating along the way. I'm going to be fired up, and I can't wait for God to be glorified, and the role that I take here is not for people to come around and pat me on the back and me to be liked. My goal is them transformed and Christ glorified. May God do an amazing work. Now, that's a church on fire, and all of God's people said, and that's huge. We got to grasp that with all we've got, No more running around saying, I want people to like me. Time to say, I want my God to be glorified, and I want lives changed. Amen, man, that's a huge, huge deal. And I love that this church so gets that passion and goes after it with all they've got. We do not give to get. We give to give. Our goal is to see God glorified along the way. We give in order to give. And uh, he's like, this is a super important deal. As you piece together what Paul has done here and said here, as he's like, I want to make it clear that I'm not being crafty and creative. And look at what you've said and done. And is that true in Titus? And package all this together. Here's one statement I want to make for you. Make sure you know and understand we should not try to judge the motives Of another person. We should always be looking at. The actual actions. The fruit. Okay. That's a really huge deal. We do not go after trying to evaluate the motives. We try to look at what's going on with fruit. To be able to talk to someone. And help someone. And challenge someone. This is a really huge deal. Like at the elder level man. We take eldership very seriously. And elders are challenged to be able to step in. And in those moments where there's hurt and heartache to be able to help share and care and shepherd and yes, even discipline into tough situations. And I'm telling you this, we will never, ever, ever try to take a stand against a motive. Okay? The problem with that is you're trying to guess what's going on inside the heart. And we already know from Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful. Man, we barely know our own heart, let alone somebody else's, okay? To try to stand up and try to declare someone else's heart really gets you in a ton of problems, okay? Heart is so important, but know this. Their heart is up to them to be walking through and trying to figure out. You can help along the way by hearing and listening and sharing and caring, but when discipline comes in, when pressure comes on, it comes for actual actions, are you hearing that? It comes for actual actions. There is a major difference. Why do I say that? Well, because you could come up to somebody and be like, you are so prideful. We need to discipline you. Really, what actions do you have? That would be an interesting conversation to talk out. Or you could come up and you could say, you're being crafty and deceitful. Right? That's what they were saying to Paul. Motive talk. Motive talk. Inside, you're trying to twist us. Really, what proof do you have? You wouldn't let us help you. Okay. Ooh. That's a really big one. You're right. Nice point. And uh, hey, man, I've walked just like Titus has walked. Why aren't you coming after him? Like, just so you know, the fruit you're calling out is actually not consistently called out. Watch out. That's a bad indicator. That says you're really bent against the guy and you're trying to do anything you can to get after him. And be careful. Don't call out the motives. And I'll just say this. Let's back the truck up and go family. Hey, parents, be careful about calling out the motives of your kids. If you see them going after certain actions that are actually in and of themselves very uh, upstanding actions, but you think they're trying to deceive you, trust me, it'll come out in a little bit. Hang on right walk through very carefully be wise to what's going on address the fruit that needs to be addressed be careful about throwing dispersion at the motive i'm telling you it often gets you up a really bad path and now you have to try to justify and you'll often end up with bad points along the way i I just i just see it in you okay Those are really bad moments of talk. So make sure that you are conversing about fruit, not motive. And all of God's people said, okay, that's a huge deal. And uh, trust me, the motives will come out in the fruit. Just hang on. Be patient and be wise as you see it. We address the fruit. Scripture even says that. Just a couple weeks back here in 2 Corinthians, we were talking about knowing the wolf by knowing their fruit. And that's a huge deal. Make sure we grasp that. All right. Financial Peace University. Uh, We've had that going on for the last number of weeks around here. And, man, we've had 60-plus people just pouring in here on Wednesday nights and going after it, getting fired up about Jesus Christ and fired up about their worship and fired up about what their budgets can look like to celebrate him. And uh, We've had a number of people trying to kind of restructure things in their lives, coming up with new budgets, figuring out what it is to give of their first fruits and being able to get rid of some debt and, and really all the way around trying to reduce some of the management of money that maybe needed to go and being able to add in the management of money that worships our living God. Please hear me, making adjustments financially in your life can be massively worshipful. And being able to do that in a way where you're making much of Jesus Christ is a huge deal. And we've got a number of families that have been going after that. I love being able to hear the stories of the people that are getting extremely excited about getting some debts paid down and getting out of some tough circumstances and getting some budgets that make more sense for what God is giving them. Man, do not live beyond what God is giving you. Live in the means that God is giving you. Make sure you spend according to what God has given you. And and so much of that coming to play as these guys make wise sense out of what they're spending and where they're spending it. Just so you know, Paul was doing the exact same thing when he said, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Man, I'm telling you, Paul was like, I'm telling you, I'm doing a little bit of budget planning right now. And my excitement and my fervor for what's going to be accomplished here and the greatness of God and the glory of Jesus Christ and lives transformed, now that I'm willing to spend into. And budget will show it. I'm in with this plan. May God get all the glory. Man, have you made decisions in your life financially about how you will spend that God might get all the glory? Have you made decisions with your time About how you will spend, that God might get all the glory? Have you made decisions with your sacrifice, that God might get all the glory? Make sure you are ready to give in order to give, not give in order to get. Okay? Simply put, how are you doing? How are you doing on your spending? and your willingness, and your valuing. And if you are not in a spot where you are serving the Lord, and Lord Jesus Christ with all you've got, and let's get you to that. If you're not in a spot where you're spending of your time wisely, that other souls might be transformed, that God might be glorified, let's get you there. Willing service. Okay? That's number one. Number two, always... Always act, knowing that God is your witness. Have a goal of encouraging, but recognize the need to call out sin all for God's glory. Always act, knowing that God is your witness. Have a goal of encouraging, but recognize the need to call out sin all for God's glory. Yes, being gentle. Yes, being encouraging. Yes, being willing to speak to the hard talk, right? Okay, here we go. He says, have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? Do you feel like you've just kind of leaned in on the middle of a conversation, like you're at one of those restaurants where the tables are too close together? You know what I'm saying? And as you're talking with your spouse, you're hearing everything going on right next to you, and you're like, "I so want a table change right now. You know what I mean? As you can hear, all the little details of what they're frustrated with, and I've told you before, but we had a, an anniversary date, my wife and I did one time, where we were at a, a restaurant like that, and the dude's name across from us was Stephen, and we'll never forget it. Stephen, do you understand? Stephen, not Stephen. do you understand? Stephen. he must have said, there was a point where I wanted to lean over and go, Stephen, you need to listen up, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are really close. I could have reached my elbow out and touched her. We're that close. She knew a foreign language, so there's a lot of times where she'd say, Stephen, and then foreign language it. Like, I don't know what happened, bro, but it just went bad. <laughs> you just got foreign languaged. That means she's hiding something. And she's been willing to reveal all the rest of this, right? And uh, that's some of what's going on here, man. And uh, Paul's like, he's revealing out what's going on, and we're getting to sit in from the table next to it. And we're seeing and hearing what's happening. And he's like, do you seriously think that we were trying to defend ourselves? And that has not been the goal. The goal has been that you would understand who I am in Jesus Christ as an apostle. That you would understand what he's doing in this church. That you would grasp what God is doing in your life. That you would grasp these super apostles that need to be pushed away. And that you would literally start to follow Christ with all you've got man we have not been defending ourselves just so you know that's a terrible plan and in the home husbands and wives be careful with that whole defend yourself thing it doesn't get the, the work done and that's easy to get into why would you think that about me what would you say that for and whatever words we start to use make sure you start to share from a just sincerely here's where I'm at and I love you like crazy and I want to see this worked out Not defending yourself. And uh, he says, It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ, and all for your upbuilding, beloved. It's in the sight of God and speaking in Christ, all for your upbuilding. There's a word we don't use very often, right? Upbuilding. It literally means for taking care of you and building up and forward in strength and power. He's like, I love you, and it's all been for your benefit. May Jesus Christ get the glory, and may you truly be lifted up. Can I just tell you, there are a couple of words that have been used uh, in the church domain as of late, not our church, but out there. You hear it a lot now. The word is legacy. Are you building a legacy? I'm just going to say this. I've thought this out pretty well. I'm willing to actually be told I'm wrong, but I'm telling you this. I can't stand that whole term. I'm trying to build a legacy really tends to turn all my work into what kind of attention do I get. And I got a major problem with that, man. It isn't about my name and my fame. I want the legacy to be Jesus Christ. And man, when I'm gone from this earth, I am happy as a lark that the place I was serving still worships Christ with all they've got. Couldn't care less where I'm at and what my name is doing. Man, I'm telling you, going for legacy means you will try to manipulate for attention. You will fight for credit. You will long for people to recognize what you're doing. Please hear me. Do not go for legacy. Go for worship. And you watch the difference in your life. It is a massive deal, man. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of books out there on it. I get that I'm contradicting a lot of teach right now. But I'm telling you this. The teach to legacy is a subtle, insidious move that begins to get us looking at what kind of credit we're getting. Be cautious with that. It so feeds the soul of selfishness. Legacy, down with legacy, up with worship. May Jesus Christ get all the glory, all right? And uh, all right, that said, If we're going to build the church up, what's it look like? Five things that we'll see in a healthy church, a God-honoring church. Five things we'll see in a healthy church or a God-honoring church. Number one, a humble spirit. Jesus Christ humbled himself and became a man, Philippians chapter 2. You will have the character of Christ, humble spirit. A true church on fire is going to be humble in all measures, not trying to get people to lift them up individually, but longing to see God Almighty lifted up, humble in all they do, uh, willing to lay it down. Number two, sacrificial. A, A true church on fire will be sacrificial in all they've got, laying it down. And I'm telling you, if you get the humble The sacrificial will roll. And if you don't get that, if it's prideful, then it doesn't become sacrificial. It becomes manipulative, right? It goes the other way. It becomes, I'm trying to do things to get you to, I want you to see that, and so you'll. It's manipulative along the way. Pride brings manipulation. Humility brings sacrifice. Laying it on the line that others might truly be lifted up and Christ might be glorified. I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. A church on fire is humble. A church on fire is sacrificial. A church on fire is God-empowered. That's number three, God-empowered. God moving in the place. Man, I love when the Holy Spirit is moving in the place. You look at last week as we were walking through what it means to walk through a time of pain and prayerfully come to our God. And we had people all over the place in every single service coming down. And we were able to pray over those people or those families. There's tears and there's, there's laughter even afterwards with some of them as they're thanking God that he's taking over. There's people who are standing up all over the place at the end and hands being placed on and the spirit moving in this place and lives being changed and problems being handed over and God empowered. Man, I long to be a part of a church like that always. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal. And Humble, sacrificial, God-empowered, caring for others, number four. Caring for others. Making sure that we don't just have words of wisdom, but we truly come alongside of struggles. Caring for the physical hurts and needs going on. And number five, And most important, glorifying Jesus Christ. Glorifying Jesus Christ. Not glorifying man, glorifying Savior, Jesus Christ. May he get all the glory. Humble, sacrificial, God-empowered, caring for others, and glorifying Jesus. Man, if we can land a church like that, building others up to go after that, we have really gotten things rocking. May God get all the glory. Okay, he says here as we close, for I fear that perhaps I come, that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish and that you may find me not as you wish. You got to see the humor in that. (laughs) He's like, I fear that I'm going to come and see you a certain way and I'm sure you're probably not really looking forward to seeing me either, right? And uh, that perhaps... There may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Please notice all the fruits that he's addressing here. And notice how they're all human-to-human interactions that are going sideways. You want to know when a heart is awry, you will see human-to-human battling going on. Okay, And he lists off a bunch of them here, and he's like, I hope I don't show up to the church and find these going on. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented. Please hear me. It is not that the church is filled with perfect people. Everybody say, not that. But it is that we recognize what's wrong and we repent. Lord, please forgive me. And all of God's people said, And please hear me, it is absolutely essential that you grasp this. I'm not standing up here on a Sunday preaching to you because I have my act together. I'm standing up here preaching to you because throughout the week I've gone through these passages of Scripture. I've been wrecked. There's sin that had to go. I've apologized or confessed where it's been needed with wife, with family, with whatever, making sure I get it clear. And I'm telling you this, I stand here saying, there's sin in my life and I'm repenting of it. And God might get the glory as he takes over in my life. Come join me, man. The water's nice. We serve the risen Savior and he's got a solution for our sin. It's called forgiveness. May God get all the glory. Man, huge statement as Paul says. I hope I don't come and see these things. He's like, I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking you to be repentant of the impurity and the sexual immorality and the sensuality uh, that they have practiced Please long to get your life clean. Willing service will always start with confession of sin. Willing service will always start with, God, please forgive me. Lord, I know my attitude was wrong. Lord, I know my words were wrong. Lord, please forgive me for the raised temper I just had. God, please forgive me for the greed that just took over. Lord, please forgive me for the bad attitude I just showed. Lord, please Forgive me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. May God get all the glory. We start serving willingly when we recognize it's all because of him and all of God's people said. Man, may we truly hand our lives to him. May we make sure that we understand it's all about him. And I'll just say this as we close. Works. Uh, There's two very different sides to works. One is legalism where we try to stipulate exactly what it should be so we can feel like we're getting saved through it. The other is just immorality. I'm going to go do whatever feels good. Just so you know, legalism and immorality, and they come from the exact same base of attempting to satisfy yourself with works. Be careful with that. Legalism and immorality, they're both based on the attempt to satisfy. Trying to accomplish the same thing with very different approaches. May my works make me feel good. Satisfied is not found there. Lord God, may I confess my sin. May I lay myself before you. May I lay me down. And may you get lifted up. I confess any sin. And I long for you to do a work. Satisfaction is found in repentance. Not in legalism, not in immorality, in repentance. Admit what's wrong, get it right, and watch God do a work. That's satisfied, willing service. And all of God's people said, amen.